The bells rung on another edition of the Icon Showdown podcast. This is the second episode where we will be deciding the most mainstream horror film of the year 1989. In case you didn't listen to yesterday's, we had the showdown of Child's Play versus The Blob. So investigate which of those two took the prize. Today with me, I'm of course your trusty host, Dean and Hennigan, and with me I have an old friend and fellow producer of the Insight Company, Mr. Scott Allen. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. That's what I like to hear. Uh, we are actually speaking remotely, Scott, from New York City, or actually Jersey City at this point, right? Yeah. And I am here in Chicago, as usual. So here's the scoop. Today we're going to be breaking down... Um, the two films from 1989 that are considered the most well-known. There are parameters when we are deciding which movies we pick, and those include that they can't be sequels, and they must have some cachet in the culture. People have to be aware of these films. So today, we are going to be showdowning The Puppet Master versus The Original Pet Cemetery from 1989. Um, we are going to break them down in terms of criteria as well. So for each one, we're going to assess uh, the antagonist, the ensemble as a whole, the surviving characters, uh, the settings, uh, deeper meanings involved, as well as the fright factor. So um, considering that Pet Cemetery was released first, it was April 16th, 1989, we're going to go ahead and start with Pet Cemetery and talk about the antagonist. Scott, I had a hard time pinning down exactly who this bad guy is. Who'd you, who's, who's the bad guy in the Pet Cemetery? Uh, it took me a minute, but uh, the only thing that made sense for me was Judd the Neighbor. I think he's the fucking villain. <laughs> well, okay, that's really interesting, because I never would have actually put him down. Why do you think Judd is the big, big bad? Uh, he set the whole thing up, man. Because uh, he's the one that suggested even going to the... The, the pet cemetery. Um, he's the one that gave him the story about it. And then he actually, for no reason whatsoever, told him to bury the, the little girl's cat. Like, there was no reason for him to do that. He started. Well, the reason was the kid potentially wasn't able to handle death uh, at that young age. I believe the child's name is Ellie. Um, she was not. She was too young to to grasp death. That's one of the major themes of this movie. Is when, what the hell goes on after life. Um, but I see what you're saying. Why? How did? First of all, because he talked about putting his own dog in the pet cemetery, or, or yeah, rather, it the out really bad for him. And he said that in a story afterwards, like, "Oh, that dog! Like, you, you, you know what happened to the dog? Why did you let it happen to the cat? It made no sense. He wanted that cat to come back and uh, be a little animal. I think he did it on purpose. I think that's really interesting in that he had no reason to really encourage them to bring back the dead especially having known that that human that he talked about who was also put in the uh, actually it's the micmac tribal grounds it's not the pet cemetery which i found really interesting certainly in the newer version it's the cemetery itself but we learned that there is this huge tribal like burial site behind the cemetery like not even remotely close from what i saw because they had to like traverse considerable land um, but yes, so there's two incidents where Judd was aware shit went bad uh, when it was buried. But my only way of contesting Judd being the villain is that he does end up dying, right? If he survived at the end, I could see him maybe being like the ultimate sinister character who... I'd say he was a good villain, but you know, villains die. That's a good point. So he's, an, he's the unwitting big bad of Pet Cemetery. I think, I think, I think there's, we can get to it later maybe. I think there's this huge backstory that's never even mentioned. That, that would kind of make it make sense for me, because <clears throat> without it, I just feel like 
that his decisions that were made just they, they didn't make sense that he was a good honest person and what happened with his wife is dead right uh oh i'm sure i'm sure he, he i wonder if he tried to resurrect her too that's that's an interesting point i would like to know a little bit more about his backstory i think we get a better sense of the judd character in the lithgow's uh incarnation of it but yeah i mean okay so more objectively speaking though we got to say that it's this Micmac tribal demon. My question to you is, is it like an amalgamation of demons um, from this tribe, the Micmac tribe, which is in like Maine and Canada, one of the first indigenous tribes? Or is, is it an amalgamation, like a bunch of them working together and they inhabit, I don't know, portions? Uh, they split up, split up a body when they possess it? Or do you think it's like one evil Micmac? Uh, I figure it's one of their gods, right? I mean, I didn't do much lore searching. Oh, that's like interesting. Well, they're little dead gods, and they buried them, and maybe the god. Okay, so essentially, we have the vengeance of whatever deity the Micmac tribe worshipped is now coming back and avenging them in a way. Yeah, maybe he's pissed off that the his little tribe is dead. His little followers are dead. Yeah. Okay, so that's his motivation then. Yeah, what would you say his motivation then is? This this demon that inhabits. Why does he kill? Uh, he's probably just angry. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I think there is something there. Uh, also. No, I think- if you're a god man and you have some followers and all your followers are dead and you're like well shit no one believes me anymore you'd be kind of pissed off and it's you know you had the opportunity to come back and maybe he was just trying to spread his name you know maybe he's like I'll, 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 my name will come back sort of like a freddy krueger style thing where okay, yeah i hadn't really considered that i think that's a that's a really interesting angle i kind of just assumed it was like one indian who was you know coming back for vengeance but i think that makes more sense to have like a deity because we don't really get a sense of who is like possessing the body other than they're evil they want to instill fear and sadness um then do you you, so you don't think it's like mindlessly murdering because i initially put like motivations is just like it's gotta kill gotta kill uh that's i mean you can it seems awfully too much like a zombie like a create your own zombie sort of thing um plus it's just i think what makes this movie uh, fun for me to watch was just coming up with my own backstories uh, to hmm. explain why, why why anything is happening in it. So, in terms of the originality of this this bad bad guy or bad deity or Judd, if you want to put it, how original do you feel like the antagonizing force was in the in the great annals of horror? Um. Uh... original i eh, i'd say a mid, mid a solid medium a yeah. solid medium that's yeah. fair that's fair it's, uh, it, it's i mean but it's, it's all stuff it's, it's a horror movie though it also came out in 89 um so i don't know maybe for the time it was a bit newer but you know yeah, I mean, certainly there were like uh, like ghosts possessing. You got the Exorcist that precedes it, um, and actually, if you've read the short story Monkey's Paw, it's crazy similar. I feel like Stephen King read the short um, J- or W. W. Jacobs' uh, short story, The Monkey's Paw, where ultimately they wish back their child who died, and he comes knocking at the door, much like Gage does at the end. For me, this is Stephen King taking a classic short story and totally fleshing it out. So, in terms of originality, I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right. In the middling. He does some new things with it, but I think there was definitely tropes there that he was borrowing from. Um, So, before we rate that one, let's pop over to Puppet Master and talk about the antagonist there. Who do you think is the supreme antagonist in Puppet Master? Uh, 
what's her name? I think it's the was it Megan Gallagher, the wife. This is interesting. So you kind of have a different interpretation. Do you actually think Megan is evil? Why? Megan is the wife of Gallagher, who's supposedly the necromancer. Yeah, uh, she she had to have because uh, at the end I can talk about the end because at the end oh yeah she had the power because she brought that dog back to life right. She has the power, but does that necessarily mean he's imbued within her, or does she just know the process in which one animates uh, unliving things? Well, that's the whole thing. Is that they're talking about alchemists. Like she just has the power, and the whole point of that uh, movie <laughs> was the, they all got together because they wanted to find this power where they can animate stuff. That's the whole point of this little group, which I was confused about why they even had like a get together because. Uh, um, what is it, Neil, the the, the guy, um, you know, the whole point of him was... Neil Gallagher, yeah, he's the one that ultimately yeah, figures out the way to reanimate after that secret had been hidden for 50 years. Yeah, the whole reason he wanted it was so he could live forever, right? I mean, that was kind of what I got from the story. Yeah, uh, if we're, we're talking specifically about Neil as the necromancer, he desires to live forever. I think he wants to control others. I think he has a perversion when it comes to actually, like, wanting to have power what is, over others. What doesn't make any sense to me is that he... He lives forever now, so why would he invite all of his friends to hang, to see his dead body? It's like he's already living forever. doesn't make much sense. So the only thing that made sense for me was Megan, his wife or whatever, uh, he'd maybe tell her how to do it or she'd just figure out how to do it or something. But uh, he does attack her at the end, though. Was that all uh, a charade? I think it could have been. I think she was playing long con. That's what I think. Okay. He uh, got the power, and I think uh, because she had to uh, have made Neil um, – come back to life. Neil can't make himself come That's back to life. That's interesting. So, you know, he died or whatever. You know, I'm going to kill myself if you bring me back to life. She, she brings him back to life. Maybe she's like, you know what? This is a cool power. I'm going to invite all the friends who know about this. So I can kill all of them. Um, well, my my uh, my understanding of why those people showed up, the, the friends, his ex-colleagues, uh, ultimately, he, that used to work with him to try and find this power. I think they were working together as a team. And then he broke off on his own and ultimately tracked down this woman... Megan, who he married, who happens to own the hotel, which we see at the beginning of the movie. Um, yeah. And I think that's how he finds these puppets that he's ultimately... Do you think they told him how to do it? That's that's one big hole we don't understand no, they, uh, how he understands to actually how, bring things back to life. It shows in the beginning with the old guy who, uh, who was actually in Christmas, Christmas Vacation as the old man. Oh. Uh, Frankly, he, we'll talk paper. about it later, but he was the best actor in the whole thing. Oh, yeah, he was. He had that piece of paper they rolled up and put it in the box. I'm pretty sure that paper that he rolled up. Oh, okay. So that was All right. The, yeah. So they found the box and they found how to do it. So um, she probably found it then, right? Oh, or, yeah, maybe. Because they, they went to the remodeling of the hotel. So I'm sure they found it during the remodeling. What I might suggest is uh, she might she might be doing a long con. You're absolutely right. But if he is immortal, then how do the puppets manage to kill him at the end? If oh, he is immortal, yeah. maybe that's the moment that he pops over to her. I think it's. I initially thought, oh shit, now she's him. Like, Neil is now in her body. That's what? kind of the direction I initially thought. Oh. No. I don't think you, you don't like leave souls or anything. I thought the whole thing was just you turned inanimate things to life. So, like, you know, he obviously he was already cremated and everything. That's why when he got his fingers cut off, green was coming out. There was the was green blood, blood. Either way, you know, so he was already, he's already, he died. He was cremated. And then she had to brought him back to life as like a puppet, right? So that I also didn't understand wow. is so do you when you bring the puppets, I mean because he controlled the puppets, right? But then they turned on him, and how can that happen if he's supposed to control the puppets? 
Well, what I started to do a little research in trying to understand what the hell was going on in these puppets, and apparently they are imbued with people that have died. They're actual souls that are put in to... Okay, yeah, let's, let's do the rundown of the puppets oh, really quick. Cause never covered in the movie, though. Not in the first one. It's not. It's not. But ultimately, like a pinhead, the guy with the big arms and the small head... He's like some trucker or something that was alluded to when I was doing a little bit of research. But what it would seem is that you do have to have a human soul to put into something. So we have to, you can't bring that up. That 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 is something that wasn't in the first movie. And it was not in the first movie. That is true. So, uh, and I, I haven't seen any of the other versions. I just read about it and I said okay. Pinhead definitely has uh, the soul of another I being. Like in this movie, the intention wasn't uh, they had souls. It was just they animated toys essentially was yeah the- i mean i mean that is that ultimately we could take that from the first one if there's no additional context but uh, yeah i don't understand why they did rally against him then if there are souls in the puppets Which because he wanted to make sense. he wanted to make the dead bodies that he, ultimately the puppets had just killed throughout the movie come to life at the end he wanted right. people puppets and that's why they turned against him because they're pissed when he started like smack talking them it's like i don't want to play with puppets anymore i want to play with real people as puppets what i think which makes sense is why they turned on him was he never controlled them in the first place. Again, Megan did it. Uh, okay, I think there's something to that. So the- Neil would have to have been her puppet, right? So he must have been controlled by her. So everything he did, she wanted him to do. He, again, it, it does make sense. I, I see where you're coming from there. I wish they gave us a little bit more of a hint because I initially went to, okay, he's immortal, so he hopped into her body. But, I mean, it does make more sense. That maybe she was in on the thing the whole time, and that's why she gathered them all together, or was willing to let them in to begin with. Because ultimately, they all had their premonitions and dreams or whatever to get them to realize what was up. That was just a weird element of the movie. They all had weird psychic powers, and the couple that were having sex constantly—I don't even what was that about. It It was a salacious couple for sure. Weird (laughs) addition. They were like, "We need more sex. Well, let's just have these people have sex," and she gets off on. Touching furniture. Weird, weird, weird. Uh, It's interesting you say that because in some ways you could argue that like almost all the characters, maybe except for the main dude, uh, Alex, is kind of a villain in some way. The fortune teller lady wasn't too nice. She was kind of cruel. The nice things are the puppets. In a way, yeah, at the end, that's that's a point. Let's talk about the puppets, though. Were any of them scary to you at all? The um, you got uh, Khan. I think the scariest might have been the blade. Was that his name, Blade? I think the just the, the main white face. Yeah, Blade, like a like an evil Doc Brown sort of situation. He kind of looked like a early incarnation of like Jigsaw's puppet. Yeah, uh, and I, I did say, find the Leech Woman pretty freaky too. That was creepy. When whenever a Leech came out of her mouth. Oh my creepy. God! Where was she manifesting these leeches from? Yeah, that's a whole other thing. I think. Leech In terms was- of originality, what do you think? Well, of the bad the, guys, the, the oh. as a uh, whole, whether it's well, because well, first, I mean, again, I'm doing this by '89. Uh, Chucky was at what? That was '87. Chucky right? was '88. Chucky was the year before. Yeah, so, I mean, toys animating obviously has been done by Chucky, but again, they're puppets. I I think what makes it, I think I'll give it above average as far as creativity, just because, um. I feel like it wasn't intended lore, but I feel like you had to like make sense of the movie. You had to give it some lore. Yeah, there is something to that. It does have like its own little magic that it forces upon you, sort of. Like it puts a spell on you in a weird way. Yeah, it, it did have like a dreamlike quality itself, and certainly the puppets are a little cheesy at times. But there were some really gross moments that that stood they, out they, to me. 
there was yeah the the lead singer was pretty gross and the gore wasn't really like not there's no like um like exceptional effects and stuff but i i did like uh the the variety of characters that you got to you got to see you know like, oh true the, guy with the, the, the tunneler the guy with the little screw head that yeah, we'll talk about what he does later. But yeah, he was he was interesting. I liked the initial uh, puppet that he's making at the very opening, the jester with like the head that spins around. I thought that was kind of cool too. Um, and the one I liked the least was probably Pinhead, the guy with the big arms and the small funny, head. Though. I mean, he it was, was funny. Comic. It wasn't it was scary. That's, yeah, no, he was no, he was. I mean, I'd say he was a comic relief at that point. And he was he, he beat up uh, beat up the fortune teller lady a lot. Yeah, uh, interesting, way, but he didn't get the story. kill. <laughs> it was funny. So when we look at both these antagonists, uh, Pet Cemetery uh, versus uh, Puppet Master here, what score did you give out of four pentagrams for each, or do you think we should come to? In terms of just the bad guy, the bad force out of four, when we're thinking about what should be the most iconic, your bad guy is pretty central. Which I mean, do as you... far as iconic go, I mean, I, I got to give... Uh, I kind of got to give puppets three or four. That's generous. Yeah, I gave it a I gave it a two point five. Um, in terms, of, I actually gave them both two point five when it came to the power of the antagonist because I do think maybe the puppets themselves are a little more iconic. Uh, but I, I was, I mean, I don't more know, frightened you by. Of, no, you can't think of anything when you think of a uh, like uh, Pet Cemetery. You know what I mean? Like that's but, true. You know, Even on the cover of the poster, it's the guy that dies at the beginning in the hospital, which is like a good ghost. It's your Casper ghost, so he's not even that scary, you know. So you know what? Yeah, let's give it to let's give it to Puppet Master in terms of the uh, iconic nature of the bad guy. Yeah, I'd say three three out of four then, because it was a ragtag team. I give of, it three. Yeah, I give it a solid three. All right, that's fair. Let's let's give that puppy a three, and then move on to the ensemble. Um, so starting given, with uh, given a. Uh... Cemetery 2? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I would agree with that. 3 and a 2. And uh, for an ensemble, when we're talking about Pet Cemetery here, um, we're going to be dissecting like the character development, the ra- relationship dynamics, acting ability too comes into play when we're judging this ensemble, and then the diversity of the cast as well. Are they, are they actually... Are we the, the acting on 1980s horror film? Uh... <laughs> well, oh. you know, there are some decent performances in horror i don't think necessarily everybody was bad in this i think there was i think the minority in pet cemetery was was bad the majority was was pretty decent uh, was there anybody that really offended you in their acting chops the main guy drove me nuts you didn't name? like lewis lewis okay yeah. yeah i thought i thought he was okay he was okay to me i i did think he was kind of a wuss the way he portrayed his character at one point he falls to the ground in the fetal position when like his deceased patient shows him the cemetery it's like i just want to wake up where very clumsy that man he kept falling and tripping yeah and letting his kid die like ridiculously yeah he tripped right before gage's death right yeah that was that was kind of absurd um, okay, I'm, I'm with you on that. So you tell me you preferred his wife's performance, Rachel's performance, to his? Well, she didn't have... She wasn't nearly on as much, but I, she was True. less annoying, I think, for me. He just seemed... He was dull, and then he was over the top. Like, he really had, you know, kind of sailed in there with a good performance. I mean, I, think, I, just, you know, I found him so bland and non-offensive, personally. Ellie was the best. You're yeah. talking about. Oh, actually, you're talking about the kid from Mercury Rising, Gage. Yeah, Gage. 
I mean, Gage was kid, good for a little kid to be that like sinister toward the end. I thought he did do well too. No fear. Yeah. No fear. I think uh, the mother's best moment of acting was probably when she was recalling her sister's uh, spinal meningitis and having to actually take care of her when she was like wretched looking. Uh, did you notice that it was a dude that they cast as her sister? No, I didn't even notice. That was that was a guy. Uh, interestingly. I wonder why that went that direction. I'm not not entirely well, sure. I probably just needed somebody who fit like the skinny, because he was really really skinny and deformed looking. So they probably had to find somebody who met that quality and just put a wig on. What do you think about Fred Gwynn as Judd? Did you enjoy his performance? Um, yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, I, I enjoyed that character. Again, yeah, I think right. The way he talks is just—it's so iconic that. in itself. He just like warbles. It's like, but the I the stereotypical like old timey guy, you know, who, who lives out in the farm. Yeah, I enjoyed him. Uh, Did you believe his relationship? Do you think he cared about the family? Oh no! This is this goes into my whole theory about That's why true. he's a bad guy. Because I'm pretty yeah. sure. I think he's. I think somehow he was a serial killer, and he buried some bodies underneath that house. Oh, wow. He was pissed off. They move into that house, and he was trying to get rid of them from the get go. He's trying to skip. Uh, that's that's possible. I hear uh, Castle Rock, you know, the show, Stephen King's show, where it kind of flushes out his entire universe, is going into the backstory of Annie from The Misery when she was coming up. But now I want to see Judd coming up. You got me salivating for that. Um, what about diversity? Uh, do we have any people of color in this movie at all? Uh, I don't think so. No, that's a ding. That's a ding against it. I don't think there was, as far as I saw, certainly not in any roles of uh, consequence or substance. Um, some of the lesser characters, did the dad, did you think he was good? Her dad? Why did, why did her oh, father was, not want not him really. to I mean, he like, come fine. to Thanksgiving? I think they, again, there's either something in the book about, because why does he hate this guy? He's a doctor. He's a good-looking man. He seems to be a good father. Why does his dad hate him so much? Makes no sense to me, unless, again, something happened. Maybe he cheated on her. We don't know about it. Who knows? But the dad was just so unreasonable. Like, how do you, how do you start a fight in a baby's funeral? That just seems lunacy. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That was one of the more cringeworthy scenes, and not because it was Great like scene, effective. Like, Great scene. Did, but, I had mixed feelings about it. I like what they were trying to do. I don't know if the execution came off as powerful as it might have otherwise. I think maybe that boils down to what you said about Lewis's ability to act. It was just a little, little cheese. Yeah, definitely. But, you know. um, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about the ensemble then for Puppet Master. <laughs> our our team of psychics. We have Alex, who has premonitions in his dreams. He has nice little scraggly hair and a ponytail. Uh, oh, yeah. He's an interesting looking guy, wasn't he? Um, this he was, was the one of the salacious uh, uh, in the, the dude in the salacious couple. What was that? Did he have powers? Oh, you know what? His name is Frank. My bad. Alex is the one who has premonitions in the yeah, dreams. Yeah. Alex no, I guess you're right. I guess Frank didn't. Well, he just was, was analyzing. Well, because he was talking uh, when when they were going over that girl. And again, that's weird. He was like, have a, a, imagine a sex dream or something. That was also fucking right. weird. But uh, he was like, are you seeing a horse? Like, maybe he does. Maybe hers is better. It was, but then after after that scene, I don't think he ever mentioned him having. Visions. I think you're right. Uh, I think he is just like assessing it, trying to understand the powers. 
Um, unlike everyone else, everyone else does have a power. So the girl that he's with, it's Carissa Stamford. She's a psychometrist, which I had not psychometrist. I had not heard that word before. Um, apparently, that's somebody who is able to feel things and understand the backstory of them, which I found interesting. I feel like that was one of the more original uh, powers of everyone. Um, have, you, have you seen that power ever played out ever before? Maybe like yeah, outside of not, not that early. It's maybe one of the first times in the movie, but shows you know in the '90s and 2000s. I think I've seen a couple of things that did that. Yeah, and the most significant one that she shows us um, is. The, the tussle in the elevator when she gets in the elevator for the first time she can see Neil and Megan going at it oh, yeah. um, which might lend credence to your story maybe she killed him in that moment and then things ensued from no, there that wasn't, that wasn't Megan though she said that wasn't oh it was a different girl than Megan you're right my bad so, someone yeah, that wasn't maybe. someone Talk. that wasn't his wife she said she caught him cheating that's true character development I feel like Neil has a little bit. Our necromancer himself, I think, is probably the most developed. Uh, Alex, the guy who has premonitions in his dream, who's theoretically our protagonist, he's theoretically the most likable character. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there was any work done in the writing to make us give a shit about him? Uh, not really. He was just sort of there. Like, you really don't know anything about him. Not even, I'm still, Again, I'm still like, like somewhat confused on why that group was even... It just wasn't very solid. I think they wanted the power. I think all of them wanted the same power because I think they were working with Neil initially, and then Neil wanted it for himself. That's why Carissa was so pissed at the dining room table and got Megan to walk away. She says, you don't know who your husband is. Your husband's a jerk. I think they all wanted in on it. He, he, I guess, I mean, yeah, maybe they all kind of wanted power. Um, he didn't seem like he wanted anything to do with the power, so I was not sure why he even showed up then. Maybe he was just more into it for the science. I don't know. I think he was in it because he had the dream about Megan oh, getting hurt. But maybe right. that was bait. I think he just came because of that, yeah. So he's technically our, our good guy in a way. Um, but uh, one thing that I kind of... I liked the setting, how it was dated. We'll talk about that. But I didn't necessarily like the way that their wardrobe was and their hair. It kind of... I don't I know. Didn't give it a timeless quality. I would say even in Pet Cemetery, I wasn't distracted by the garb where it right. felt really 1989. And this one it did. It felt even maybe earlier than 1989. Um, and as noted, I would say that the old dude who played uh, Andre Toulon um, is the best actor by far. William Hickey. I know that name. Um, yeah, I liked him, dude. I thought that opening scene was kind of interesting. With the exception of the POV shot of... The puppet going through the entirety of the hotel and not being seen. It's oh, yeah, like this was... Mission Impossible, like running through the... I, I didn't get that. I didn't understand why that was super necessary. Yeah. So here's my question to you, though. What, explain to me the backstory of why were the Nazis then trying to kill him? They knew he had this power, right? The Nazis? I, I, from what I read, apparently it was the Nazis that show up at his door at the end, when, right when he kills himself. I never saw the little swastika, so that was just government people. Um, maybe well, I'm wrong, or maybe maybe this is uh, inferred by latter uh, movies. That's a historical thing. I know uh, Nazis, uh, science, and that kind of stuff, right? Always, oh, that's a good point. They were doing a lot of like metaphysical experiments, yeah, experimenting and that kind of stuff. So back in the 1940s, and then of course, in terms of diversity, do we have any people of color? Um, no. 
Okay. Not a one. Not a one. Oh, I mean, the main guy's German. Hickey, right? Does that count? That's diverse. I guess. I guess. Uh, but yeah, once again, not not ideal on that. I get a ding for that. So when we are ranking the ensembles of Pet Cemetery versus Puppet Master, uh, what would you say? Um, as far as, I mean, I got to give Pet Cemetery probably three stars. I'd give. Yep. I'd give. Puppet Master one or two. Mm, yeah, I give it two. Let's give it one point five then. We'll meet in the middle. Yeah, all right, sounds good. One point five in the ensemble. So moving on now to the surviving characters. As you know, such a trope within horror is creating usually a final girl, somebody that is able to triumph over the evil. Interestingly, our surviving character in Pet Cemetery is a final girl, but she doesn't survive in the way we might expect. Um, so the means of escape for our final girl is literally being a child and helpless to her mother's demand and having been brought to Chicago, where she's safe enough. Because we can assume if Ellie was there, she'd be dead, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She was at home with the grandparents. Yeah, she was at her grandparents' place in Chicago, for sure. Is That's the, the only thing that the, saved her. she the hero or whatever? I mean, she's the surviving character. I think whoever survives, there's usually something Technically profound about that. I mean, she's dead, but she's moving. Uh, maybe. I mean, she does, in a sense, she is, I, I guess, like a final girl. He's the evil one. He's the one bringing people back from the dead when he shouldn't be. Knowing he shouldn't do this, he still does it. And then at the end, it isn't insinuated that she puts a knife in his head, right? Yeah, yeah, he, he dies. I think. Sure. So that's interesting. Maybe the mother could be, Rachel could be considered uh, the final girl, an undead final girl. Uh, ironically, taking out the one who has caused all the problems. Um, determination to survive. Do you think these characters wanted to live? Were they kind of fatalistic? Um, I mean, I feel like every decision they made was not in their benefit to survive. They all kind of did. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he was overwhelmed by maybe fatherhood. We'll get more into that uh, in the deeper meanings, but I mean, he knew there was serious risks there, and and as alluded to, there's something up with him. If, if the dad doesn't want to deal with him, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like he's been affected by his job working trauma, right? Seeing that, that guy, Victor, and I'm sure he's seen countless more people that are just like he's surrounded by death constantly. I feel like there are little kind of suicidal, self-destructive tendencies in him, uh, maybe less so in the wife. Yeah, the wife didn't do anything uh, egregious. I think she was probably the most secure and stained alive victim of constant victim right between her younger sister um essentially oh you know what now that i think about it i think that's the one of the reasons that lewis doesn't get along with her parents is because he was pissed off about the way uh, the girl with spin or spinal meningitis was subjected to his wife at such a young age and so uncaringly um maybe it had something to do with that or he did say this is another reason i hate them but that I get, but I don't understand. I still don't understand the father's hate for for the guy. Yeah, it's not clear. They definitely left that open ended. Do you think there's an iconic status to this? Because you think about something like Halloween, you have Laurie Strode. That is an iconic surviving character. Do we have that here? No, nothing to that. I don't think so. I don't think we do either. Um, and as you noted, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, when you think of a horror movie like Friday the Thirteenth, you think of Freddy, you think of Jason, you think of uh, Mike Myers. This one, I. I I think of the cat, maybe. <laughs> like, you know what? That's yeah. That's not wrong. Yeah, In terms of antagonists, yeah, we might have. We should potentially bump it up 
0.5 for that cat because the cat was definitely one of the scarier items items yeah it is an item technically because it was dead within within the film you're onto something there i mean but in technical in technical speak ellie is our survivor who's living flesh and blood and i found it interesting that she has telepathic dreams what the hell was that about uh i think it lives in the same universe as the shining i'm pretty sure she's got the shining (sighs) that's a really good call that would make a lot of sense because the shining also has um an indian burial ground central to its plot yeah, so but, uh, Steven's borrowing from his own more, concepts here. The kids always are more receptive to it, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely more vulnerable to it, willing to use it to their benefit because she sure tried to save them. How many times did she go and say, this is going to happen, do something about it, and they don't listen. Um, how about who our survivor in Puppet Master? Uh, what was what was the means of escape? Because we ascent, we theoretically have two people alive depending on whether or not you think megan is sinister or what's going on with that um but we got we got our two survivors in neil and her right yeah oh i'm sorry actually neil doesn't survive that's gallagher alex is our survivor it's kind of our unaffected lawnmower man that guy yeah is he from lawnmower man interesting okay this looks like the the b version of that guy yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, but ultimately, he barely is able to survive Neil. Neil beats him down so much in that final fight. Uh, Alex can barely get in a swing. I think he only got in the kick that tumbled him into the elevator. So with the yeah. exception of that, Neil was mopping the floor with him. Um, in fact, Megan crushed that vase over his head uh, to kind of save... Alex, we have like an inverse of what normally happens where we have the damsel being the dude and her going out of her way to save him when she could have right. just run. Um, yeah. So that that's one thing that kind of like challenges, was she super evil or is she just, like you said, playing this long game and just messing with everyone's head? Because um, she does fight him too. She is fighting Neil there at the end too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in theory, if Neil's immortal, I mean, he's got to live on too despite that turd in his mouth at the end, right? What the hell? Yeah, that didn't make sense either. Uh, it didn't make sense. He's immortal, and then he dies. So what's going on there? He uh, he goes, you have to just completely destroy this body, which you could never do. And then, yeah, he gets a leech in the mouth, and all of a sudden he's dead. It was a big-ass leech, too. It was that was a strange final leech. It was more like one of those slither bugs. Um, determination to survive, do you think? <laughs> uh, based on that final fight, Alex, was his heart was in it. He really gave a shit about living. Oh, I don't know. I don't no, I don't think so. I think he was just like, I'm here. And again, iconic status? Anything? No. I mean, the only thing iconic are the puppets. Not for the, nothing for the hero. So in terms of our surviving characters, what are we going to give each film? I mean, I got to give uh, Puppet Master. Can you give, can you give no? <laughs> a minus one? Yeah, yeah, they were pretty they were pretty ineffective. I'm with you on that. Let's let's give it a zero in terms of surviving characters. I didn't even necessarily care if they lived. Uh, oh. I think I barely remembered their names after the finish. I definitely had to do research and remember the names of some of these oh, characters yeah. that made it to the end. An interesting fact though is that this was initially supposed to be released in the theaters. But the dude at the last minute realized, you know what, I'm going to make a lot more money if I just make this straight to video because there were so few straight to videos. And it was right when video stores started popping for the first time. So it was like, oh, my gosh, did I miss this in the theater? So it became such a cult classic and actually became like fairly lucrative. There are 12 sequels. Um, 
because he made that decision to go straight to video. It's almost like a pioneer in the Netflix uh, sense. I mean, that was smart, though. This was made for TV, <laughs> like quality. That was in the theater. That was. If I went to the theater in 89 and I saw this movie, I think I'd be upset. That I, that <laughs> I don't think I'd be upset because I actually enjoyed some parts and there are some scenes that have been seared into my head. And when I look at like Child's Play, uh, we were talking about the 1988 film. Frankly, the deaths in that are not that great. Uh, really what makes that is the iconic antagonist. And I think maybe if they built up Blade more, um, we might have cared. But I didn't, I didn't really. I mean, Blade was interesting, but not, not enough. Not enough. So let's give surviving characters, what, a two for... I, I liked Ellie. I liked her. I liked her dreams. And if you even want to add the wife as a survivor, I would almost give it a two point five. If you want to consider her too, uh, we, yeah. No, I, I I cared about the characters. Yeah, I give it a, a, almost a three, even. Yeah, two point five. A three, a three for the surviving characters. I, I, I would only agree with that because I love how you brought up how the wife ultimately could be considered a surviving character, and she is taking out the bad guy, who's ironically her husband. There's something to I mean, that. I will say when I think of Pet Cemetery, I do know their faces. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not like I don't know who that actor was or. Oh, all, all okay. the people. Solid jobs. I mean, yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll give it a three, and we're going to Puppet Master a zero when it comes to surviving characters. Uh, let's talk about the settings. Um, in terms of Pet Cemetery setting, what did you think? What sort of mood did it elicit you in you? Uh, I think they did a good job of making it kind of a small town. You know what I mean? Almost claustrophobic small town yes absolutely rural secluded pastoral setting the place where the dead walk um i thought it, i thought it was effective um first of all the first shot of course is of the cemetery so it kind of sets that morose mood but then we shift uh very quickly to a homey comfortable free feel um the only caveat to that of course being that highway that apparently doesn't have any sort of speed limit i don't know what's going on with that highway right there um, yeah. As close to people where they live, it shouldn't be. Um, is, is this, yeah, again, if this movie came out now, SA was a metaphor for Trump supporters just coming uh, into the country with disregard. Okay. Uh, yeah, like a, a city boy trying to survive amongst uh, no, red staters. Truck drivers just charging through this, barreling through, with apparently not paying attention to the road whatsoever. They just blasting 100 miles an hour, looking around, being like, I don't care if I hit something. Yeah, no. That the guy who kills Gage was super oblivious. Um, I, I think they did well, like really making it a fall feel. I do feel like this is a film I would want to watch again down the line in the fall. You got the leaves on the ground. I've noticed also in terms of the setting, it was always either looking down at the ground like above, like it was a god, or pretty much after things started to come back alive, the shots were kind of angled up, like something was looking at you from the ground. I don't know if it was conscious, but I started to pick up on the angles in which we were uh, we were seeing the frames. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice that. I did not notice the angles. I, and actually, my favorite like environmental moment is when he uh, sees Church dead, and he like crusts him up off the grass. It's not like it's dew or anything. What is got that cat like already being sucked into the ground the way it was? Oh, they explained it as uh, it was he was starting to freeze over, so it was the dew oh. frozen the body to the dirt. Okay, right. all right. Um, in terms of the setting, I just want to talk about two other things. Um, I really liked the Indian burial ground, and as we noted before. It's outside of the pet cemetery. Why? Why do you think it's called pet cemetery if the cemetery itself is not the unholy ground? Um. I mean, again, I think it would it would just stick with. I think there's a lot more to the story than they show. You know what I mean? So I think okay. It's a good, like pet cemetery, but really, it's about what's happening behind the pet cemetery. 
Okay, so you think it could actually be fleshed out as a series? Uh, I think it's just a metaphor. I don't know. Just, I think it's just be like, yeah, it's called Pet Cemetery, and there's the Pet Cemetery, but everything that happens is behind the Pet Cemetery. True, you got to go through the Pet Cemetery to get a little deeper into what we're telling you. Figure out what's really happening. Yeah, I see that. If, it, if I just watched that movie and I was thinking about fucking subtext or whatever, I would be like, "This is kind of a dumb movie." Like the decisions they're making just kind of make, don't make sense. You got to have conflict, though, right? You got to save the cat, literally, in this one. Um, and how did Gage and the cat find their way back to the home? Was it just obvious? Uh, Are they in there at all? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, they know stuff. Like he knew to call, you know, dad. They, he apparently knew the number because he had called. <laughs> the house. Oh, that's true. That's true. So they yeah, that's know. a good question. Do you think the actual kid himself would have known the number at that age? Uh, maybe. No. I mean, no. I mean, maybe he, the kid was just. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, what about the setting for uh, Puppet Master? Did you dig it? Um. The Bodega Bay yeah, Inn. It was so B movie. <laughs> Yeah, but if you do look at the lineup in 1989, everybody's heard of Puppet Master. There was really no other film in contention other than Puppet Master to be considered the most iconic of that year. If you check it out, this yeah, was kind of... Yeah, it's all about those puppets. About and you got to remember, just horror wasn't the big business back then as it is today. That's true. I mean, And was... I would... We'll talk about Fright Factor in a minute, but go ahead. Yeah, it was... Eh. I mean, the hotel... There's no, like, great shots. No, No room was... It was all just kind of bleh. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't find it that unique. It was pretty standard, oversized, dark, dank building. The questionable history. It was like a knockoff, shining sort of feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, it did not super resonate with me. I did like the dining room table scene. I did like the elevator. The elevator, I felt, was kind of a fun little space. Yeah. Um, beyond that, it didn't really, yeah, it didn't, nothing stuck out to me uh, noticeably. Like the chair... I think the only time I've seen Puppet Master was when I was a child because for some reason I remember that scene with Blade in the hall with the chair. Like he was going to go into the room by climbing uh, up on the chair and grabbing so the knob. It was so pervy. It was. It was. There was something about that shot that's like the only thing I remember from having seen it years ago or decades ago, rather. Um, okay, so in terms of setting, what do we give in each? Uh, I would give Puppet one to be generous. I'm going to give it 1.5. It was especially like the, the wider shots. I feel like we're pretty decent. Like, I don't know, the external. It was a cool building that they did suppose it to be in. And you've got to give that opening scene, even though I hate POV stuff like that that rips off Michael Myers, when the puppet is outside and then he's going through everything, it's a little ridiculous that he's not seen, but it was different. It was yeah. kind of fun. All right, fair. Uh, uh, 1.5. Poor Puppet Master. Uh, okay, deeper meanings. Now we get on to the good stuff. Oh, what wait, do you think the deeper rate, meaning? Uh, rate? Oh, uh, no, we didn't rate the settings. Oh, yeah, the setting for Pet Cemetery. What do you think? I give that a three. 2.5. Yeah, I'll give it a three. I think three, 3.5 even? Yeah. No, yeah. that's too high. I'd say a three. Well, interestingly, I mean, the name of the movie is the setting, you know, is a place. So, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, we'll go three then. That's fine. Um, deeper meanings. What do you think is going on? Um, Pet Cemetery. What is going on there? I'm telling you. I think Judd is a serial killer, and he's upset because he buries bodies in that house, and they move in, and he's got to get rid of them. That's why he does everything he does. He wants that family gone or dead. If he is sinister, why would the Micmac want to kill him then? Wouldn't he be kind of like doing his bidding? Oh, no, man. He will unleash the devil, and he does what he wants. You That's know? fair. What happens when Judd gets buried there? 
Um, no one's going to bury him. Wait a minute. I have a question for you. Do we see Judd's body? Because yeah. remember when the mom comes in there? Does she see Judd's body? No, because for some reason the kid drags on, underneath the bed. The, the oh, guy... it's underneath the bed. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's fair. Um, uh, okay. So I, I think there's there's an interesting theory there that Judd is ultimately our, our deep, dark, big bad in this. Um, in terms of like metaphors and allegories or, or themes, I really feel like there's a lot of like gender issues going on. Um, what it meant to be a father and the responsibilities of a father, certainly in the late 80s versus a mother. Um, one of the most interesting quotes I felt came from Judd, and he's like, the soil of a man's heart is stony-eyed. Um, I do think there was there was some interesting things going on with what it means to be a mom or a dad and uh, the responsibilities associated with that. Um, and beyond that, why does his wife's father uh, not accept him too? Like, the, the fathers seem to have these hard connections with their kid. Like, I specifically remember a moment when he's talking to Gage on the phone, when Gage is still alive, and Gage is all like, I love you, Daddy, and he doesn't respond to it. So kind of in the same way um, the, his father-in-law can't accept him, it's like he almost doesn't accept Gage to a degree, too. Um, and certainly we can talk about the theological stuff going on there, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you can... There's a lot of parent stuff. Even the kid that they brought back in the, the past scene of what happens when you bury a, a live person. Even right. if your dad had problems with his dad. Oh, that's a really good point. Um, I actually think that might have been metaphoric for, like, PTSD. Uh, you, you know, you're alive, and then you come back as somebody different when you're dead, but that would be you go to war, and you're coming back somebody different, and in some ways, metaphorically dead. Like, you're oh, yeah. ruined, right? I did see the PTSD uh, comparison there. Um, did you have any personal connections to it? Uh, I mean, I like cats. <laughs> that was that was a great cat too. Uh, the performance of the cat was actually one of the strongest. Um, yeah, I, I love that old station wagon. My family had that old station wagon, so that brings me back. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, we didn't have a station wagon. <laughs> Beyond that, in terms of deeper meanings, I did also see that like the burden of death or sickness is really more affecting to those left behind than to those who die. You know, um, death is really scarier for those left behind. I think is one of the more resounding messages of the film. Um, and then, interestingly, uh, commentary on the Times uh, in 1989, the Nobel Prize in Medicine was given to um, two scientists for discovering um, retroviral on oncogenes, which essentially are the genes that cause cancer. So I kind of found that interesting. Like you, you, it, this dwells so much like on is death eminent? What happens after death? And this is the year that, you know, they, they find what kills so many people, um, the cause of it. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting um, parallel. Granted, it was written in 1983 as a book first, but in terms of the movie in 1989, that's what I found to be uh the most relevant fact. I also do think um, when I brought up the gender issues, it has a lot to do with Mary Lambert. I mean, we have a female director here um, who went on to do the sequel as well. Um, did you notice, did you feel like there was any difference in uh, directing style uh, based on gender? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, the women in it didn't seem as uh, much of, male fodder as in a lot of movies in the yeah no i agree yeah they weren't just sexual well, something for the men to take care of or fuck or whatever 
Yeah, both the women were actually kind of the scrappers in the film. The mom comes back when she doesn't when he doesn't answer the phone, so she's kind of a warrior of sorts. And then, of course, Ellie's the only real living survivor of the fam. Um, okay, so when we talk about the deeper meanings of pet cemetery, or I'm sorry, pet cemetery, puppet master, what do you see going on there? Oh, before we get to pet cemetery, did you notice in? Uh, I mean, pet cemetery. Sorry, uh, you know when the kid was wearing the top hat and the purple dress and the cane. Oh my God! Yes. Uh, I should I should have looked it up. It's probably in the book. But <clears throat> they had two or three shots of a painting in the house. I think the mom grew up in maybe. Maybe oh. the house that had uh, like a young looking person with the same top hat, cane, and purple. And there's also a cat in the photo too. A black cat in the photo. What do you think that means? Do you think that was her father? Um, I don't know, man. I probably should have looked it up. I'm sure there's an answer online about. It has to be in the book. It has to be a throwback to something that happens in the book. Okay, because that definitely threw me off when that little kid has a top hat on. Um, granted, yeah. that was all illusory, though, right? Because Easter egg for fans has to be. Otherwise, I, see. I don't know. But it did. I was like, oh, why are they bringing that up? Yeah, no, I mean, it threw me for a loop, but it was effective. Like, even without the context or having missed those pictures, I still like, really like that moment. Um, okay, so Puppet Master, deeper meanings? What do you think? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think any. <laughs> if, if There's there, none. I doubt it was intentional. <laughs> okay. I um, mean, maybe. Uh, it's just a, just a typical '80s horror movie with really good puppets. Okay, that's fair. Um, I'm, I'm probably stretching here when I'm trying to find deeper meanings because I do agree. I don't. I think it was probably made more for fun than to be a social commentary. In theory, it does if those are Nazis at the beginning, like I read they were, this could be ultimately like an allegory for how Hitler pretty much had puppet people when he was doing what he was doing. People that were unwittingly um, getting their strings pulled, not really knowing how they were these little monsters uh, killing the wrong people. And you could yeah. see uh, Gallagher as kind of a Hitler-esque analog. Um, it might be a stretch, but I did see like degradation of a race or a class when he started talking shit about the puppets um, and that connection to World War II. Uh, and I don't know. I think yeah. just as, as a whole, it's kind of interesting, just the fear of death that's brought up and desire for power over another, I think, are interesting themes. Um, but the puppets rise up, and that can be compared to a mutiny on a ship or perhaps like a slave revolt or, as we talked about, um, potentially you know, people rounded up in World War II. Commentary on the Times. Struggled with this. Uh, I did find out in 1989 the Berlin Wall collapsed then, so we can kind of connect that to the curtain between life and death collapsing, um, as seen in the movie. Uh, lasting impact. Do you think uh, Puppet Master has a lasting impact in culture? Um, I mean, as far as... I think a little bit, mainly just for, you know... Uh, kind of hokey cheap horror movies i mean i'm sure it spawned a bunch after that 12 12 sequels but i'm sure like there's other movies that kind of were like oh funny annabelle right straight to vhs i think that probably spawned a lot of straight to vhs horror movies oh probably i mean ultimately it's the horror version of toy story too you could say toy story might draw a little bit from it you know imbuing life into inanimate objects um any personal connections for you with puppet master I mean, I remember seeing it as a kid, like the the puppets are. That's something though. That's a lasting impact thing though, because oh, yeah, there are movies that don't remember. Uh, Pinocchio like, I, was my favorite Disney movie, so for some reason I, I did. I am drawn to 
puppets as villains. What was? Pinocchio? Uh, ultimately, you got this old guy as like uh, evil Geppetto, in a way. And it took me kind of a while to realize that he was evil, the old guy, because I wasn't sure. I mean, if those Nazis are popping up at his door, I'm assuming now that they wanted to know his secret because they wanted to use it for even a grander evil um, across the world. Oh, I don't think he was using it. The old guy wasn't using anything, the puppets for evil, was he? I don't know. Why was why does Blade have a blade arm, right? Uh, maybe the, did he have a oh, maybe is he like his lime slicer or something? Maybe he knew they were coming because half of those puppets weren't dangerous. Like that Chinese puppet was dangerous. The jester's not dangerous. Uh, what about the leech spewing woman? Uh, I think she just picked up leeches later. <laughs> she just picked up that skill after being uh, yeah. born into a puppet. Yeah, possibly. Uh, I don't know. I mean, bringing things to life like that, there, there's something evil about that. I mean, forcing something to exist is, uh, you know, questionable morally, especially something that can't you know, have a normal life. Wanted to. I bet you could think about uh, the old man making those puppets as part of his personality. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, the leech girl is what he thinks about women. Maybe, you know, because she's an attractive Maybe. doll. That's, uh, you know, but that's true. And then he got Maybe. the blade guy. That's like his little defender or something. Who knows? I don't know. The jester is his humor phone. And then, of course, don't forget Khan. Well, he's only in the opening scene, like looking out the window. It's kind of like a security cam or something. Um, so, deeper meaning scores. What are we going to give Pet Cemetery out of four? I got to give. I'll give that a three point five. As did I. I'm right there with you. Deeper meanings for Puppet Master. Uh, I mean, I want to give it a zero, but I'm sure you. <laughs> I gave it a three. I'm super generous. So. I mean, I'll meet you in the middle if you really think it's a zero. If one's the middle. <laughs> Let's go 1-5 on it then. I'll All drop. Right. But I do feel like I found some stuff, especially with the World War II analogy. I think there is something going on there. Um, and then in terms of deeper meaning for me, just like it is a Frankenstein story. We are, we're tapping into the same tropes as Frankenstein, so I do like that as well. But I'll slice it in half for you. Um, all right, finally, the fright factor. How much of these actually scare you? Going with Pet Cemetery. Uh, we have kill count of six. What were the quality kills in your mind? Oh man, Judd getting getting his Achilles tendon rip torn or whatever, like sliced. That was brutal. That, that was, was brutal. Sticks out to this day is one of the most gruesome things I've seen. Just yeah, you know, one. Whew, and then getting his mouth cut, and then the baby chewing on his throat. Yeah, no. <laughs> you're absolutely right. The, the sequence is the Achilles tendon slash. Then he like slashes his mouth Joker style, where like the mouth just spreads open wise, and then he like jumps on him and starts biting his neck. And then all, of, while, all while this is going on, the cat's in the background like an evil sidekick. Yeah, I mean, I saw this, I think, in 90 or something. I was a, yeah, I was a small little boy when I saw it, but I saw it. And that, I, that, him getting cut in that tendon, I thought about that for decades. Yeah, no, it's affecting. It def- so you think that's the, that's the best kill? I, is that I, the scariest scene for you? I mean, there, that, actually, that movie actually has some pretty solid goals. The, it does. Uh, with the... Ex- with his brain exposed and juicing out, that was pretty graphic. That was a good right. well done. The mom at the end, when her half her face near her eye is gone, you see her, her skull? Yes. That was some good gore. Uh, I thought it was really effective. I, would, I mean, with the exception of the woman hanging herself, which is still interesting, but it wasn't as effective as, as the other kills. I thought it was. I thought it was really effective in terms of the gore department and the surprise department. And even though it was ridiculous for the kid or the father to trip before Gage gets hit by the truck, oh, that was got, a good scene. I was tripping all the time. You know the scene when he's in bed and he rolls out and he like his head on the 
uh, corner of the, the, the night, nightstand. Remember that? No, that's escaping me right now. I think he really did that. And that came real close to his eye. I think that guy almost lost his eyeball shooting that scene. Oh, my gosh. I have to go back and look at that. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Uh, I think some of the more underrated little spooky spots was when Church drops the rat in the bathtub. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. That was so nasty. Mm-hmm. And, of course, like, the real horror is the girl, Zelda, her sister, with spinal meningitis. She looked like a monster. I mean, it was it was just as scary as anything. Yeah. Gage, even uh, just his voice was creepy. Black oh, my gosh. Crazy. When he's turned, and when he, yeah, when his mom, for me, the scariest, the scariest scene was him killing his mom, ultimately. Um, with the top hat and the cane business, even though it kind of like threw me off, like it was scary because I wasn't expecting it. It like surprised me in a, in a frightening way. And then when he says, "I brought you something, mommy," and he has Wait, the was, scalpel. Was that at was that at their home or was that at the it was Judd's Judd's home? Why does Judd have a small baby sized cane and hat in his? <laughs> I think I think that was hallucinatory. <laughs> I, I don't think because I think it went away and then he was in his uh, normal garb. Yeah. Because initially, uh, Gage appeared as Zelda, uh, her sister. So to me, that was like super gross. We had that we have the sister there, and then we have him in the top hat and cane, and then he's got something for mommy, which happens to be uh, the scalpel, which was super scary, man. A little kid with a scalpel. That I mean, he scared me more than Chucky. You know, Chucky has a big old knife, but that scalpel did it for me. Sure. Um, so I was genuinely scared in spots for this, and I think if I was a kid, I'd be really super scared. Oh, yeah, sure. The only thing that I felt a little robbed about is, okay, so we definitely got the beef with him tripping, not saving Gage, but then after Gage dies, they lessen the impact of his death by going to, like, old pictures. They suddenly do, like, this uh, slideshow of, that you know, I didn't of Gage mind. coming up. That, that didn't, that wasn't bad for me. That didn't bother you? Okay, fair enough, no, fair I enough. Mind that. I actually thought it was uh, a little more effective than, than just not showing it at all. Okay, all right. I would have rather just, I don't know, had just, like, a stark... Like nothingness for a couple beats or something. I don't know. I was I was distracted by the by the slideshow. But I'm glad to hear it worked for you. Uh, okay, popping over to unless there's anything else you want to talk about in terms of the fright factor for you, uh, uh, Pet Cemetery. I don't think so. I mean, no. Okay, so Puppet Master scared the shit out of you, didn't it? Puppet Master. <laughs> yeah. What's the fright factor? First of all, we got a, a five kill count. Um, I thought it was six, but the maid turns out to be alive at the end. She's not actually dead, right? Or is she dead and she's she's now a puppet person? Oh, no, I doubt she's a puppet. Well, she might be. She wasn't in like a, a – was she in a, a ambulance or anything? Or was she just hanging out the – When they're trying to escape, she suddenly pops up. So, like, she uh, – Megan crashes the vase in, into his head, smashes it into his head. He's on the ground. Then they try to escape, and then out pops the maid – with uh, the poker again, like trying to prevent them from going, but then they kind of just like ignore her after that because then Neil comes back around and starts beating up Alex again, and then I don't really remember seeing what happened to her. So I think she's like a puppet person still out there doing her thing. I'm not yeah, sure. Megan, yeah, and Megan, it would be good for Megan to have a, a permanent maid to clean the hotel that she doesn't have to pay anymore. I mean, interestingly, that uh, that maid. Her name was is Mew. Her first name is Mew, which I found interesting. And she's 77 now, and she released uh, about 10 years ago an album. Um, and she's been in a lot of stuff. She's in, like, Sound of Music and stuff. She's, uh, she's like one it. of the more prolific. She's probably the name of that, that movie, ironically, uh, with such a small part. Um, 
in terms of fright factor, we can actually mention this in Pet Cemetery. Do you remember any affecting music in that at all? Uh, I mean, not off the hand. I feel like, um, I mean, yeah. I don't think it's iconic. Well, okay, do you remember what it was like? Like, I don't really remember. I just remember it was like children's choir, sort of like, uh, oh, like kind of like a. Yeah, I remember that. That was that was bad. It wasn't bad. It worked. It definitely helped the ambience of it, but it's not iconic like, you know, Halloween's music is at all. Um, Okay. Uh, And as you noted, so you think he was dead. But what was up with the green blood? You mentioned the green blood before. Does that kind of freak me out? I don't know what embalming fluid looks like. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. Because his body was dead and already ready to get buried. So that's what that was about, I think. Scariest scene for you? Um, I mean, none of it was scary. I mean, the the fucking puppets creeping was a little uncomfortable. A little, little <laughs> people have sex, and then a little <laughs> gestures for the other one to come up and take a look to the just like looking in the people watching having sex. Goofy. It was goofy. Uh, I thought the tunneler was kind of scary when she looks under the bed and then she gets drilled in the eye. Uh, I thought that yeah. followed by the leech scene. I think their deaths oh, were the scariest yeah. for me. You're a horror movie. You show that death. I wanted to see that go into her face. Oh, there's something to be said for that, like Hitchcockian. You know they're dead. You know she's been grinded in the eye like this that. Is a Hitchcock movie, and they know that. True. Show it. But it was it was kind of phallic too. This is the couple that's like super horn dogs, and she's getting drilled in the face, sort of thing. I think that was probably intentional. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and then he's getting sucked to death, right? So they both die in kind of innuendo sort of ways. Um, that probably did it for me. I think that was my, my scurriest. So what sort of fright factor points are we giving these two? What are we giving uh, Pet Cemetery? Uh, Pet Cemetery. I mean, i got to give that a, at least a three. Those are some – I even a four, man. I I'll give it a 3.5. I gave it a three initially. You say four. I'll give it a 3.5. I think right. that's fair. Meet you in the middle there. And scare factor for I mean, Puppet Master. Think about being a kid, though. I think I erased it from my head. I, I hadn't remembered seeing it until I saw that. Goofy. <laughs> too goofy for you yeah what about okay. as a kid though if you're a kid which one's going to affect you more um i mean, if i was a kid it, it probably it might have been puppet master just because you know i had toys and i don't want my toys coming to life so yeah just that alone yeah, yeah I, was, I was a kid and that was stupid yeah i think i think for for younger people puppet master might be uh, if you're willing to accept kind of the cheese more affecting pet cemetery kind of deals with some heavy topics that i'm not sure a younger audience is going to actually comprehend so i'm just i'm trying to give it a little bit of a bump here even though it's a yeah. foregone conclusion at this point but i'm gonna give it a two two for right. fright factor i'll, I'll I think that's on the two. okay um well we have a winner uh the most iconic mainstream horror film of 1989 please don't be pet cemetery i mean beat it's pet cemetery yeah the bell has rung Thank you so much for being part of this podcast uh, and going through these two movies. I know you did struggle with Puppet Master. Um, is there anything that you want to get get your uh, social media out there for people to follow? Uh, I think just Instagram, uh, at stupidconsumer. At stupidconsumer on Instagram. And, of course, if you want to support the podcast, you can buy my novel on Amazon, Company Dreamer. You can find it also on companydreamer.com and get additional context for what's going on um, in the world of dream recording. Um, Beyond that, thanks again for listening. Until the next one, the bell has rung.